The views and opinions expressed during this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WHIO and Cox Media Group. This hour is sponsored by There is a Season. This is WHIO's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Dayton is our number one priority. You know that. And as news breaks, we'll break in anytime. Dayton's all news and talk is 1290-957-WHIO. There is a season. Welcome to There is a Season, the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf, And I'm Gloria Shanahan. Thank you very much for joining us to talk about life, its joys and its sorrows, its triumphs and its tribulations, its challenges, and the solutions we discover through the different seasons of our lives. This show is about all of that and more, and we rely on your own stories and insights to make the program even better. We can't take your calls today, but we'd love to hear from you. And it's easy to get in touch. Just drop an email to Bob and Gloria at thereisaseasonshow.com. And if I'm not mistaken, Gloria, the U.S. Postal Service still brings the mail, COVID-19 crisis or not. And if you, dear listener, would like to send a good old letter or card, well, here's the address. Yes, here it is. Right to There Is A Season, 1611 South Main Street. Dayton, Ohio, 45409. So the last time we were with you, we were doing then, like we're doing now, still masked up in all these funky disguises, like we're, we're going to go out and rob a bank or something. And uh, <clears throat> I can tell you it makes it, uh, makes it hard to drink coffee, doesn't it? It does. It's, they're going to have to come up with a straw or something that we can slide in from the side. That anyway, would compromise the safety <clears throat> level of our mask, Bob. Yes, it would, but it would not compromise the safety and deliciousness of my coffee. <laughs> anyway, we're now recording from a super-duper secret, highly secured broadcast location. Uh, you mean this office? You mean this messy desk and this mm. hard folding chair that you have for me? And, well, then there's the traffic just outside the window. Shh. This is a super-secret location. Why? In case we say anything not approved by the government. No, no, no. You can say whatever you want. We just have to stay safe. You don't have to speak safe or even safely. I don't? No, let her rip, Bob. Well, I think I speak for a lot of people who have had enough. They're looking to get out, get free. They're looking to shake the cabin fever. Well, yes, the cabin fever has certainly gotten to people, but we're still trying to be careful about COVID and all that. Yeah, 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 I get it. But after the show, I'm going to move outside for the duration just to make up for all this inside togetherness. Really? Well, good luck with that because I hear it's going to be historically cold this weekend. Nuts! That's not government-approved language, Bob. You see what I mean? I hope they weren't listening. They were. Nuts. <laughs> so, yes, a lot of us have been stir-crazy at various times during the last weeks. And while some things in our community are gradually opening up and coming to life, obviously that life is quite different now in the context of COVID-19, isn't it? It certainly is. Last week we had recapped some of our recent shows that were done during our Encore presentations. And we pointed out how they were still relevant 
but in a different, perhaps even more potent way, given that the pandemic has beset our nation. You can check those in other podcasts, by the way, out at thereisaseasonshow.com. Now today, shifting gears a little bit, we're going to talk about a handful of themes or topics we think are affecting our culture in the short term, but which also may have a lasting effect on a lot, if not most of us. What are they today, Gloria? Okay, so today we're going to talk about loneliness, grief, freedom, and your own personal tipping point. Which could mean falling off this chair. No, that's a different kind of tipping point. That would be my chair that I'm sitting on. Yeah, that cheap Somewhat folding compromised. Chair. Right. Yeah. Yes. Complaints, complaints, complaints. All right, let's get into the first topic. Let's talk about loneliness here. It is affecting a lot of people right now. It sure is. There are a lot of people isolated. Yeah, they've got they've got a sense of um, of being you know separated and apart from each other. Even Zoom or Skype or texting or calls don't completely help. They really don't you know answer everything. No, um, you know they sense that we must stay apart when a lot of us don't feel a particular threat. It's true. You know, in certain parts of the country, like we talked about last week, like you've seen in the news. Yes, they're still doing a lot on the social distancing, uh, but a lot of us here don't feel it the same way. Uh, but now with all of these rules and the social distancing, the rules for shopping and church and everything, there's a sense that everybody is at risk. Right. It's, it's kind of led to this bunker mentality with people keeping completely to themselves, right? So going forward, what do you see? I mean, we've already seen a lot of violence. Yeah, there's. I, I think this this kind of looking out for me and mine, it, it happens in situations like this. You know, when, when there's a certain amount of the order that seems to break down, and I don't mean that we've got widespread civil unrest, but I feel like some people look at the crisis as an opportunity to kind of maybe not be on their best, you know? Yeah, and then, of course, there's the other side of that where people are even better than they were before, right? Right, right. But it brings out the best in some It other does, people. but it also brings out the worst, and um, when people are feeling... I think, um, isolated, alone, and also um, somewhat controlled, there's more of a likelihood of maybe lashing out, per se. Yeah, well, look what, what first happened. You know, we had the toilet paper runs. You know, everybody was, like, going after that kind of stuff because there was these perceived shortages. Yeah. Uh, then there were actual shortages, and they had to start rationing it. Look what's happened with people speeding on some city and highway streets. They've noticed this in huge increase in people going over 100 miles an hour, wow. you know, because they figure, hey, well, you know, it's the Wild West. You know, we're all we're all doing our own thing here and uh, not necessarily living as much as a community. And I think some of that comes from being forced you yeah. know, and separated apart. Right, right. Now, while different states have mandated different levels of social distancing, stay at home or lockdown, covering everybody except essential workers, all of the states have also mandated particular restrictions for seeing our elderly populations in residential care communities. Yeah, there's a lot of talk about that right now. Um, I know there was just a big article in the Wall Street Journal. Um, extremely difficult for families and residents. Um, these restrictions are covering people in independent living, assisted living, memory care, and of course, skilled nursing care environments and are close to absolute. Yeah, I mean, and and I heard an example even this week where uh, I was trying to make a case about, you know, how there were certain inconsistencies from one place to another. And, and one place I was talking to said, well, they're, they're the strictest around, that they're following it to the letter, whatever the state is saying. And the example that came back was even that there was a married couple living in different levels of care 
within that organization, and they were not allowed to have wow. access to each other. Yeah, so this has long-lasting repercussions. I mean, if you really think about it. Yeah, and, and you saw those guidelines from the federal, uh, the phase one, phase two, phase three, and what the conditions were for phase three, but the timeline is what's got everybody flummoxed. You know, could that be three months? Could it be a year? Could right. it be more? And, you know, if you look at all the different states, it really does vary. You know, I know Illinois just yesterday went into five different phases and with getting th for different counties or different regions, four regions in the entire state of Illinois, by the time you got through the fifth phase, it was 15 months from oh now. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah. So what does this do to our most vulnerable and traditionally our most lonely population. Well, it, it makes it worse. It certainly does. I mean, families can't visit, they can't touch or embrace a loved one, which we all know the importance of touch, right? Yeah. Especially when maybe your memory isn't quite what it used to be. That touch is so important. And staffs are trying very hard to serve their residents, but they can only do so much. And it's very frustrating to all the families who are often wondering about how different the risk of infecting residents is from them and their families compared to these employees who work at these communities, thankfully so. But they also have to go home to their families and they're out in public. And I'm sure there's some, I mean, there's some rationale for that. I'm sure it's, you know... Maybe they're trying to control the, the total number of people. And so right. there's a mathematical formulation here. But in theory, you could have a really safe family member who's following every possible law and trying to do everything to keep safe, mm -hmm. who's willing to take their temperature and all that kind of stuff. And in theory, again, you could have an employee of a residence who's not as safe, you right. know, living because a lot uh, because of Because everybody younger. kind of takes this a little more seriously or less seriously. So when they're doing their own personal activities, maybe... The employee's not as safe as a child of a loved one who really has their best interest at heart. Yeah. The, you know, the loved one. It's ones. hard to say. We're not. There's no disparagement here. We're no. not. We're not picking on any particular person or place. No, but, this is across the country. But people you start are to bring this yeah, up. You're, you're yeah. looking at this, going, "Golly, we've got people in a bubble." And you know why? Because there've been so many, you know, horror stories at a number of residences around the right. country. Staffing was messed up. Protocols. Maybe one person came in and infected twenty. These are horrible things to consider. Yeah, I mean, obviously and rightfully so, there's a significant concern about protecting our elderly, right? And there's also, I'm certain, ample concern about liability. And their businesses are suddenly overwhelmed. Right. So, so we were concerned about the hospitals, but you could also see how a lot of the oh, continuing care communities would be just right. swamped uh, right. overnight. Right, right, right. However, in the midst of all of this, as we've talked before and so forth, and this would apply even outside of the whole COVID-19 context, mm -hmm. what are some things you can do to reach out to somebody who's in that uh, shut-in kind of uh, status, and particularly now? What are the things you can do to, to make that contact, to continue that relationship? Right. So first off, regular phone calls are you know really important. We can all do that, right? Just a regular call, even if it's a couple minutes. And then you've got your video calls if there's technology for that to occur and assistance. Yeah, which is a weird thing for people. It and is, sometimes, especially uh, our older demographic. It's they a little... don't know how to behave and they may be self-conscious right. about being on that, but it doesn't have to take very long right. to do that either. And we could go to even writing some letters. A lot of people are starting to write letters again. And so, you know, letter write. You could send gifts and care packages and um, maybe some beautiful artwork. Yeah, a lot of families are trying to do window visits. And if you're family member doesn't happen to be on the lower level of a place, on the first floor, on the ground floor, you can arrange often to have a common area visit where you can still be able to look through a window 
and just be able to see somebody you can touch mm -hmm. through the glass right. uh, you can sing often they'll you know they'll make it such that somebody can hear over a cell phone or something there's a way to do that connection yeah I, and i think that people are trying their hardest to make these you know um visits per se as possible as they can um i think memory boxes are kind of a neat thing you could pack a box up with memories maybe some photographs maybe some little trinkets that was in the person's life um little snacks you know candies just yeah, some and, little fun things and you might even want to try to do some recordings again if somebody has the ability to play recording back through technology you could do a little song you could do a little dance or, or a skit or whatever so um, th those are just some of the things that we were thinking about. Yeah. But we were wondering, you know. Right. So, hey, maybe you've got an idea about helping to lessen the loneliness of loved ones in or out of a community care setting. Please share it with our fellow listeners by sending us an email at bobandgloria at com. We'd love to hear your ideas on that. We've just touched on a few of them. When we return, we're going to talk about some other things that are on our minds and hearts and on the minds and hearts of family and friends. We're going to talk about grief, freedom, and the tipping point we mentioned before. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob Wolf, And I'm Gloria Shanahan. We're talking about a range of topics that are really quite personal and communal in this time of pandemic. There's so much fear that has crept into our lives. And I think this extended time of bad news and restrictions and the unknown, and each day bringing news of yet another symptom or tragic story, well, it's wearing on everyone. It sure is. And well, of course, for thousands of Americans and citizens worldwide, there is the real and often sudden toll that coronavirus has taken on people, right? I mean, there's millions yeah. of cases. Yeah. And likely many multiples more than that that have not been officially diagnosed, what they're saying. Mm -hmm. And of course, hundreds of thousands of deaths. And nobody expected this. It has absolutely horrified us and it has sent us to grieving. Yes, it has. And and grief is is something that we were thinking about as we were, you know, talking about this. We didn't want to uh, you know try to gloss over the fact that some people are really suffering. I talked to somebody in the Northeast yesterday in the New York area who is feeling this. And you could just hear it in the, in the person's voice, how visceral it was that they were surrounded by so much drama and so much real pain and suffering. So we're going to talk about the stages of grief. You've probably heard of that thing before and, and how it applies uh, in a much more serious way, certainly for families of the sick and deceased, but even in other ways for those of us somewhat removed from those troubles and from those sadnesses. We won't get into, you know, a long extended discussion of psychology today, but if you think about the stages, you could literally ask yourself, what applies to you right now with regards to this COVID-19 and the situations that we're facing, ask right? You, ask yourself, are you grieving? Are you somewhere in this continuum? And what's that right. first one? Yeah. So the first stage is denial. It, and this is where you're just in disbelief and you want it to go away. I think we've all kind of felt that. 
none of this is making sense. It's hard now to get through your days, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then you start thinking, well, how will we reconstruct our world? But there's a grace in denial because it helps us let in only as much as we can handle, right? Yeah, I had thought of that, yeah. Right. But then we also have something else to deal with, Bob. What's that? Well, as we've seen and, and experienced, and you see these because they make the news a lot of times, anger. Hell yes, we're mad about all this. We have seen it play out with the shouting pundits on TV. We've seen angry crowds gathering at state houses. On our roadways, we've seen bad behaviors. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen it in our stores and in many other places, in social media. It's natural to deal with our pain and our confusion through anger. And anger focuses all this chaos and fear and unknown. It's, it's easy to, it, it gives you a target. Instead of just having these random feelings of rage and so forth, you can get mad at something or someone and just be angry. And that's a real stage. It certainly is, yes. And not to be dismissed at all. Now, the third stage is bargaining. And after some of the exasperation in the midst of the feeling of powerlessness, we start to bargain, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're literally asking God to spare a loved one. Or we're praying maybe not to lose our job or to find work, or just a way to to pay the bills. We might even make a deal to change our lives if only things could get better. If you're not bargaining now, you will be in the future, maybe. So does any of this sound familiar? If you're familiar with the stages of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, we're going to talk more about them here um, in some of the other stages here in just a moment. We're also going to talk about freedom, and does each of us have a tipping point? You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season, the show about how we change how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf, And I'm Gloria Shanahan. We've been talking this morning about some other things that are, are very personal. They're also communal things that we've been feeling. Last week, we talked about a little, little bit different topics. And this week, we're covering uh, things like loneliness. We're talking today about grief. We're going to talk here in a little bit about freedom and the tipping point, and all of that is coming up. But let's go back to this business about the uh, the grieving process here, the stages that people go through. Um, you know, a lot of people have heard of this. We've talked about denial, mm-hmm. right? You just do not want to admit this thing is going on. Right. There has been a lot of anger on a lot of different levels. You know, we talked about not being able to see our loved ones. Right. Um, government restrictions. You know? And people not um, being able to access maybe the benefits, the stimulus and stuff. You know, things are taking a long time. Oh, Unemployment, goodness. the sites are crashing. So that's there. And then you get into the whole bargaining, right? Yeah, you talk finally... a little bit more about that. Let's let's. So you kind that. of like you've been really exasperated, right? You feel powerless. So then you start to bargain. This is where I always say you make deals with the devil. No, I'm kidding. Well, actually, or, or a lot of people end up praying to God. <laughs> to God, right? they, and they... you say, if only, please, 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 can you just, you know, can we have this? You know, we're praying not to lose our jobs. You know, like I said earlier, you know, a way just to pay the bills. I mean, some of this is just nuts and bolts, desperation. Yeah. So, and at um, different levels for different people. And, and, you know, there's been some families terribly afflicted by COVID. 
And you wonder, how did they even make it through when several members died from this? And, right. and that's not common, but it has happened. And um, you could see how you'd start to make some bargains and just pray, could this end? And, you know. Yeah, I mean, we have to, you know, like I even have to remember, it's hard on all of us, but it's really hard for some of us. I mean, some people are really desperate right now even to provide food for their family. Yes. You know? Yeah, and that's, that's a different level of, of grief. It, it is. One of the other stages here that uh, people may be familiar with, especially if they've lost a loved one, is that after you've gone through uh, denial and, and anger and maybe some bargaining, there's depression. And, and this may be the most natural feeling of all, and it may take the longest and deepest toll on us. It may last forever for some people. We may recognize there are no easy or quick solutions to problems. We feel wronged for what or whom has been taken from us. Whether that's a person, whether it's our freedoms, whether it's something we knew, uh, we may feel wronged about that. And we may ask, why go on at all? We might withdraw and feel there are no fixes ever, really. We can't bring people back. We may, through a crisis like this, never return to what was, what we knew before. And that can surely be depressing. But if we know that depression is a part of the journey, it's not the end of the journey, if we know that it's a part and we're patient with ourselves... And with that feeling, amidst all we may have to do in the day-to-day, -day, we give ourselves a chance, I think, to maybe exhaust some of that emotion, exhaust some of that feeling of depression, and turn to something else like hope or maybe even acceptance. Right. And, and that time frame is different for everybody, right? Yeah. It could take years. It, yeah. Um, so acceptance, it is the last stage of grief as we know it. And it doesn't mean that we're at all okay with everything that's happened. There may be new permanent realities in our lives, and we may occasionally dip back into that denial, anger, bargaining, and above all, that depression. But acceptance is often what is left deep within us. Life is still carrying on, and the essence of who we are with all our strengths and gifts still needed and recognized by others. That's where that hope comes in, right? Yeah. After all the grieving for what is lost, we may and we must hope to begin to live again. That's just some thoughts about, you know, the, the whole grieving process, the stages of grief, you know, where we may be in these times and down the road for quite a while mm -hmm. in some stage of grief. And, and I think it's important to recognize that. Uh, we've got this cloud hanging over us. We've got this pressure down on top about us. So you know, think about it. It's, it's, uh, it's not going to go away easily. No. And we have to remember we've, we've been in some really tough situations in our country years back, right? I mean, there were a lot of different things, um, within, you know, five to 10 to 20 years apart that just kept occurring. Yeah. And, so, I, and I like to think that we have enormous resiliency here, uh, as individuals in this country, but also as, as the spirit of being an American, we usually come up with an answer we usually come up even with the fortitude just to survive whatever the thing was that was terrible. Right. And we get to the other side. So let's, let's hope we keep hoping, uh, keep moving and, and hope that we keep hoping. Uh, it's, it's really perhaps the only thing we can rely on. Right. Now we're going to shift gears here a little bit and talk because some of these things play into our next topic. And that is, what is the state of freedom? You know, and we'll talk a little later about does each of us have a tipping point? Um, we, you know, freedom is something that people kind of talk about in a vacuous way. They just think it's up here. It's an abstraction and so forth. Um, 
But a lot of times when we come to the idea of freedom, we first think of all the things we can't do. We don't recognize freedom until, until suddenly, it's gone. yeah, suddenly it's taken from us. Yeah, you know whether it's our physical freedom, like <laughs> if somebody got arrested or kidnapped or whatever, or if you lose a loved one. They often say you don't miss something or someone. You don't realize how much you loved that thing or that person until it's gone. Right. So, so these things suddenly become crystal clear and evident in front of us. And what are some of the reasons people might feel a loss of freedom right now? Well, right now, any type of gathering with those that you love or enjoy being with has kind of been... No can do, right? Not really, no. Um, You can't have closeness or affection with those you love. I mean, even my father and I am not hugging him because I don't want to get that close to him. You know, we're not wearing masks near each other but we're keeping our distance just, to try to stay safe. Because we never know when one of us, obviously one of us has to go out and, you know, collect groceries or do whatever. And, and there's no germ meter that's right in your house to tell you whether you're safe or whether you're not, or, you know, if you're still a uh, asymptomatic that's person. That's what's awful about you, this you don't COVID, know anything, because right. they're saying two weeks, you could be asymptomatic. I mean, yeah. come on. And it it's could be any number of different symptoms. Crazy. And that list gets longer and longer. Right. So you don't have closeness or affection. Um, dining out, and that's a big deal for a lot of a lot of Americans. We Some don't... form of yeah, socializing over you know a over meal, breaking bread. People do it in this right. country. So if you can't go out and you can't get together to break bread in your home, well, there's a lot of freedom gone right there. And um, shopping at places that you like to shop. So right. Those are just some. What we are can't. Some other we, we haven't been able to play organized sports, right? You know, right. all we, we're, little league is normally cranking up right now. Softball, yeah, uh, kickball. You know, for 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 people, right? Uh, haven't been able to get out and do that. It doesn't mean you can't enjoy going to the park by yourself, but and we've had extreme cases where people have been arrested for being in the park with their kids. We're not even talking about that level of things. We just haven't been able to do the organized things we've done in the past. And of course, schooling is a huge issue, and we're going to touch on that more in future shows here, uh, because it's it's staring us in the face. What are our kids going to do? Uh, are they going to go back to school? Are the colleges going to reopen? What's that all going to be uh, involving? Right, so, and of course, so there's others that might say that a freedom from their previous routine, right, mm-hmm. including perhaps work, kids at school. So if your kids are at school, you have freedoms yourself as a parent that you don't have when they're at home even if you're working that right it changes things and that's that's huge i think for parents with kids that are school age younger kids so it's created its own freedom for other things though that they've long wanted maybe so more time with family even if in the beginning you kind of were like, oh, I'm not looking forward to that, right? <laughs> now maybe you are realizing that that is something that was missing. Or the other way around. You enjoyed that little moment in the beginning and now you're sick yeah. of everybody. Right. And so um, hobbies, maybe you've taken up your hobbies again, cleaning up your house, exercise. All these wonderful prayer. things. I'm doing them all. Well, <clears throat> not not in the office. <clears throat> <anyway>. <clears throat> Hmm. I, I have something I, in my throat. Yes. <laughs> Good thing it's blocking any words that might so, come out right so now. So <laughs> this freedom from and freedom for is it is a big deal. And of course, you know, as the days go by and as the weeks go by, particularly because of the economic impact that everyone's facing, uh, this this feeling of a surrendering of our authority to our leaders and I call it the people in the lab coats, the you know, the medical experts, you know, in exchange for safety or or protection. Um, or the health of specific populations of the whole population. That has become a huge dynamic. Did we surrender too much authority? Was too much authority uh, taken, usurped? I mean, there's constitutional rules. We're not going to get into all of that here today. 
but there's been an enormous concentration of power as a result of this. Yeah, and the exercise of executive power and administrative power beyond most legislative input, right? Until and recently, I haven't heard about the right, legislators. Right, and certainly, you know, beyond the input of citizens. I mean, is this what we wanted? You know, some people are wired to fight for their freedom at every turn. You know, look at all the protests going on. Um, yeah. And some people are really easy to surrender their freedom. So we're all different. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The, and there's they say an awful lot of people would be happy to live under a benevolent dictatorship. And I'm not, I'm not saying any of our governors are necessarily benevolent dictators. I'm not saying that. But there's an awful lot of people in the world who seem conditioned that way. On another show, I'll get into this perhaps more in depth, but there's something called the Titler Cycle after a Scottish historian named Alexander Titler. And he was talking about what happens with democracies, how they very often start in bondage, you know, like, the, like we felt here with the British back at the formation of our country. And they go from bondage to having faith and courage and liberty, and they fight for their freedom, and then they have abundance. But then they get a little selfish and complacent, and they have apathy, and then dependence. And, and then a return to bondage. And that could have been going, people can make the argument that there's aspects of that in our country even beyond COVID-19. But certainly right now, there's an opportunity for us to be surrendering an awful lot of freedom. Yeah. So today we're wondering, we would like you to think about this. Has your freedom changed? And how much do you care? Do the losses bother us after what, six to seven weeks now? Or, they have, or have they simply shifted our attention and activity to other things? which perhaps we're beginning to find acceptable or maybe even preferable by. Right. We've, we've now taken this catalyst of COVID-19 and, and done some reorganizing of our lives and the way we exercise freedom right now. And no question there's some people fighting for government, you know, about the government restrictions and so forth, and you may want to exercise your freedom big time. But what about other things? Does the change in your freedom leave you feeling defeated? Or are you adjusting and accepting? Are you willing yeah, I, I mean, you can take dining out, for example, right? So this will vary from person to person. Personally, I don't really miss dining out, but I also wasn't one that I got a big charge out of that. I like eating out, don't get me wrong, but it's not, it wasn't a main thing in my life. And I enjoy cooking. Some people didn't enjoy cooking just because they didn't have the time. So here's a good example. Now they do have the time. So now maybe they're missing going out to eat has started to wane just a little bit because they have time to cook and they're enjoying it. They might not go back to that earlier predisposition yeah. to want to hop in the car and go out to eat. Yeah, and it that, just and, depends on who you are, I think. Right, and and uh, certainly large scale surrendering of freedom to government power is a theme that we can explore more fully in another program. And we're not talking necessarily about that, but we are talking about a lot of the little changes that may have occurred that we're saying, eh, you know, I'm not really missing it. It's getting, you know? but it could get scary, right? Because we're slowly maybe becoming like, oh, well, it's okay. We do right. have to be careful right. with this. And I could see the These economy shrinking. Things. I can see us all kind of shrinking back. Church attendance was already going down. I can see it's just sort of living this kind of smaller life than right. we've been used to. And the message living. that it could send to our government, I have to say, frightens me a little bit. Are we willing to give up certain things? What are they seeing in the American public? Right. That then right. they could take charge and have more yes. control. Encourage people to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. To I mean, I just worry about that right. a little bit. Right. We'll we'll talk more about that in a future show. When we return for today, we're going to talk to you about your tipping point. What is it going to take to make you feel normal again? Will we ever feel normal again? That's still ahead. <laughs> 
You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob Wolf. And I'm Gloria Shanahan. In the time we have left, we're asking this question today. We've talked now about grief. We've talked about freedom. We've talked about loneliness in the beginning of the program. Here's a simple question, maybe, or maybe a complex question. What is your tipping point? After all this angst and suffering, and perhaps more to come, when do you think you'll feel safe to go out and play again? You know, we were talking about those yeah. stats you were sharing. Yeah, so I might have these flipped, so don't quote me on these. But there was um, some type of poll that was taken, and it was on a major news network the other day. And it was the two big questions were, how comfortable are the American people to, A, get on an airplane and fly again, B, dine out, go to restaurants, okay? And like I said, I might have these flipped. But one of them was only or 68% of people said they, they were not comfortable going to a restaurant at this point. I was surprised by that, actually. I thought that was high. Which portends terrible things for that industry. It does. I was shocked. Um, and 78% of people said they are not comfortable flying on a commercial airplane. Yeah, which uh, these these are... You know, That's huge numbers. Seismic shifts when you think about yeah. it economically. Right. Aside from all the other you know, retail activities that are out there, sporting events where we're typically you know crammed into stadiums Concerts and so forth. And, Concerts and... Oh, my right. gosh. Yeah. There's a lot you can do virtually. Certainly people have been creative. A lot of our musicians around the world have been doing virtual concerts. But this is going to change our behavior. So we ask, you know, what do you think is going to take uh, or, or going to get you back? What's going to tip you back to say, okay, I believe again? Right. I mean, will it be a vaccine? I don't know. Does Some people now are vaccine? worried about the safety of a vaccine. Right. There's all these, you know, is it going to be safe? What about the antibody programs or testing? Right. Are right. they legit? Are they, you know, good? Or do they have a lot of false positives or false negatives? Who knows? Maybe some other treatments, Bob. Yeah, there could be other treatments or protocols. A lot of times, I mean, I, I was listening to this Dr. Oz this week talk about something like a hundred different, uh, he didn't say trials necessarily, but a hundred different initiatives here to right. develop a vaccine. There's a lot of activity certainly going on out there. A lot of brilliant minds looking at this and, and, and trying yeah, to figure and, something and out. And they'll borrow sometimes from other research that was done on other viruses in the past. Right. Is that going to be the key? Kind of like what happened with the polio vaccine where people could finally go, oh, you know, and there, and there was a, uh, a period there where the vaccine that went out was not perfectly right and some people died from that, but they eventually got it fixed. Yeah, you know what was so cool about the polio vaccine, which sometimes a stumbling block for our country in these vaccines and things are these patents, right? But the guy who invented the polio vaccine, I was reading about this last night, he did not want to patent it. And everybody said that he should, but he wanted to make sure that he could save as many people as possible and share it with the entire world. I thought that was kind of cool, you know. <laughs> so think about this in the time between now and when we talk again here. What is your tipping point? What's going to make you feel as if things are better and maybe it's too early to ask that question but we'll keep asking it here in the next several weeks we appreciate you being with us this week that's going to wrap things up we're both short of oxygen from these masks both in need of more coffee and i'm just running out of words <laughs> you've got to be kidding me you running out of words 
God. That's the pot calling the kettle black. Uh, I'm rubber and you're glue. Oh, brother. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're in denial. Uh, hey, be sure to check out the website, thereisaseasonshow.com, and write to us there, too, through our handy in-touch contact form or by email to... Bob and Gloria at thereisaseasonshow.com. That'll do it for us today. Remember, dear friends, seek grace in every step and never regret growing older. It is a privilege denied to many. We're here for each other, and we're here for you. For my dear friend and co-host Gloria Shanahan, our terrific producers, and everyone who makes the show possible, thank you for your time, attention, and interest to what we do here. We'll see you again soon. You've been listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Have a blessed week. Broadcasting from the McAfee Eating and Air Studios, WHIO Dayton, WHIO-FM Pleasant Hill, a Cox Media Group station.